This is the day that the Lord has made. All right, let, let's worship God by standing and singing. It's number 77.
All right, be seated, please. So it seemed like uh, you knew that one. Uh, one of you, your name will remain anonymous, has come up to me with the important message that apparently some of these hymns that I've been choosing are unfamiliar. Now, I don't know how that could possibly be, because they are very familiar to me. <laughs> and even though I'm from New York and Illinois, I've been here for almost 40 years in Methodism. Uh, you would think I would know what uh, we Methodists in California sing. Um, but apparently not. So we do... Uh, Rachel and I do want to introduce new hymns on occasion, but we want to do that on purpose, not by accident, and uh, work with Gloria and Ron to, to make it a good experience so we expand and we're singing things that are uh, maybe delightful once we get exposed to them. Like well, somebody told me how the, the new hymn last week, the new hymn to that person last week was you know, like, whoa, I've never done this before. And then how after it was over, it was a great experience. They, they liked it. And, and they hope that we sing it again. So this is just to put your hearts at rest. I have talked to Gloria. Um, I've talked to Gloria. And she's going to be choosing the hymns from now on. And... Um, <laughs> It just seems like a wise move on my part, <laughs> since I don't, apparently I don't know what I'm doing with it. So um, I'm asking Gloria. She's going to choose the hymns. So if, if you are bothered by any of those choices, don't come to me. Don't come to me. Just talk, just talk to Gloria from now on. All right? All right. After this week, we here at Westlake Village United Methodist Church, I will flip that eventually, the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village, affirm that prayer works. We want to support those in our community who are in times of sorrow and also support those in our community who are celebrating. God surrounded by glory, you notice the people we walk past and journey with them wherever they are going. You speak out for the voiceless and open our ears to their cries. Jesus, healer of the hopeless, converser with the outsider, in you, faith and works skip hand in hand down the streets of the kingdom. In you, the have-a-lots and the have-nothings find themselves sitting side by side at your table, passing grace to one another. In you, those with good names and those with no names are called by one name, beloved. Compassion spirit, sow justice in our hearts so the poor might find in us a friend. So peace in our spirits, so the angry might find in us a gentle sea. So generosity in our hands, so the hungry might find in us their daily bread. God in community, holy and one, surround us in these moments and in all the ones to come with your grace and love as we pray together the disciples' prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The presence of the Lord truly is in this place, and we have the opportunity to respond to our faith and to act accordingly by saying thank you to our Lord and giving our gifts, tithes, and offerings so that God's kingdom can be made manifest here in this community and throughout the world. Our ushers will wait upon us as we present our tithes and offerings.
are rich in your blessings, share them in common with those who have so little. May our gifts be used to sow justice, to feed the hungry, and to bring relief to those afflicted in so many ways. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scriptures. Our readings are from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, and chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not bearers, hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. This is God's word to God's people. I recognize, I recognize how it is a, uh, a challenge to be faithful these days. I think uh, regardless of, of where we might sit, we recognize that we are being challenged to find ways of peace and justice and love in our globe and in our nation. So we realize I just want to share with you, I realize how it's a challenge for us to be people of faith. And certainly, though, we are not alone in that challenge for, you can see here in Nicaragua, other places around the globe, people have circumstances which are difficult and they are challenged to try to find their way through those circumstances faithfully. This goes back to biblical days as well. And today we are looking at a passage and we're talking about a topic that helps us to understand that in those days as well, in that first generation of followers of Jesus, there were challenges and uncertainty about how best to go about being a disciple. And Jesus didn't particularly make it any easier in the process. Uh, high expectations, wouldn't you say, of his followers. Also, he's remembered as giving some advice and sayings, which nowadays we call the hard sayings. Things like, uh, let the dead bury the dead. If your eye uh, leads you to sin, pluck it out. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. What did Jesus mean when he said, 
you should hate your family and follow him. Well, he must have had something in mind, right? And we study these hard sayings of Jesus, wondering whether the, uh, the authors got it right, did they hear it right, um, whether it was passed on correctly. Regrettably, most biblical scholars think the hard sayings are the true sayings because they're so hard. No one would have made that up. So Jesus challenges us to get behind some of these things and to try to figure out what, what really is uh, his intent for us. And he gives us advice about that intent in, in ways that sometimes are, are very challenging. Yet, we want to pay attention to it because we are of the enterprise of trying to live faithfully. And, and as I said last week, we are, we are people who are seeking to be authentic in their faith and we want our beliefs and our actions to, to line up to have coherence so that, so that we are authentic. A harmony of heart and hands. Today, as we listen to James, we realize that he and his religious community are grappling with just this same point of getting belief and behavior together. James is making the same point that uh, Jesus made in Mark about connecting the inner and the outer life of having that kind of congruence of belief and practice. Now last Sunday we talked about how, how behavior needed to be backed up by our beliefs. Or said a different way, our beliefs needed to be in our behaviors. It, it wasn't enough just to come to church and uh, sing songs, but we wanted to come to church as an act of faith. We wanted to bring our spirituality into the forms of worship, into the activities of worship. We wanted to have those behaviors that we call worship be enlivened by our spirituality. And we decided coming out of last week that, well, we should just be better practitioners. Let's just practice harder and get that belief into those behaviors. Today, James is looking at the same thing, but looking at it from a different point of view. James is noting that behavior authenticates belief. Our beliefs are authenticated by their expression. So let's dig in a little deeper to James. Some great passages here in James that may be uh, pretty familiar to all of us. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So says James, our scripture for today. So what's the issue at stake here? You, if you're a good Bible study 
student, you know that what we see in scripture is revealing what is going on around uh, the author, the person that's bringing uh, the composition together. And with James, we're seeing here a glimpse into the people that James is living with, the people that James is working with in his ministry, in this epistle. We realize that James is pushing this point because there are people around him who are thinking differently than what he says here. That's why he's saying what he says here. There are followers of Jesus who are thinking that belief in Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah is enough. Belief in Jesus is sufficient for salvation. If these followers had, had been exposed to Paul, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, they might have grabbed into that letter and further made their case to James. They would have quoted Paul as saying, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. Do you remember that? These new believers around James are running with Jesus' critique of the scribes and the Pharisees that we heard last week in which Jesus criticizes those who have gotten wrapped up in the outward expression of their faith and had lost touch with the inward experience of their faith. The form over substance people is what Jesus was critiquing, whose hearts were far from the practice of their faith. They understood Jesus' lesson, they thought, and they asserted the importance of belief, the importance of their heart as the key to their salvation. You can imagine these guys, I imagine these guys, gathered together in an upper room kind of setting, right, talking about the Jesus sayings, talking about what it meant to be a, a Christian and follower, to be in the way, to be a follower of Jesus, to be part of that movement. And I can imagine one of them saying, ah, oh, oh, I've got it now. I understand we are saved not by our obedience to the law. We were wrong in thinking that. We're not saved by our obedience to the law. We are saved by God's grace experienced through our belief and Jesus as the Christ. Yay! Shouts of agreement go up in the room. Everybody's thinking, wow, all right, we got it now. We, we know what we're doing. We know what we ought to be doing, they think. Until one day, one of them bumps into another hard saying of Jesus. Matthew shares this with us, where Jesus says, Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law 
until all is accomplished. Oh dear. Or when Jesus stated how not everyone who called him Lord, Lord, would enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember that? Or when Jesus talked about how caring for the least of these was the pathway to salvation. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. What are, what are we to do? I would suggest that here's the point. Faith is belief, but it is more than belief. Faith is also action. Faith becomes alive and becomes real as we live it out, as we express it, as we manifest it, as James says, as we demonstrate it. Faith becomes real. Here's an obvious example that I want you to not follow up with with questioning my wife about this. But if you love your spouse, what do you do? If you love your spouse, you find ways to express that love to your spouse, don't you? If you... If you love the Lord, you find ways to express your love of the Lord. If you love your neighbor, you just don't pat him on the back. As James says, you do something of consequence to show your love of neighbor. For our faith to be authentic... For us to grow and mature spiritually, we need to find avenues of expression for our faith to be lived out, to be embodied. We need to find ways of manifesting our faith, of bringing it to life not just having it inside. So now, in in fine Methodist fashion, I must be a Methodist preacher, we've ended up at the place where we Methodists like to end up, and that is the call to practice our faith. We followed a different path this week than we did last week, yet we've reached the same conclusion that it is important for our faith to practice our faith. The practice of our faith not only nurtures the faith, like we said last week, but it also substantiates our faith, makes it real. So again, let me encourage us all to think about for ourselves the importance of worship and daily devotionals. 
of Bible study and, well, and just religious book study of stewardship and of service activities. These are not empty behaviors. These are not purposeless tasks. Nor are they habits that have long disconnected from their meaning. All of these disciplines of the faith are ways that we grow our faith and express our faith, are ways that our faith comes alive. If we are not in worship of the Lord, how can we suggest that we love the Lord? If we are not studying God's word, if we are not praying daily, if we are not giving sacrificially, if we are not serving the least of these, just how is it that we can have a confidence that we are being people of faith? As James says, show me your faith and I will show you mine. Authentic faith, internal belief and external expression connected one to the other. changing ourselves, and changing our world. This is what we are to be after. We can do this. Amen. Amen. As people of faith responding to God's word in our lives, let us stand in body or spirit as we join in our closing hymn. Lord God, your love has called us here. Verses 1, 4, and 5. Yes. Okay, verses 1, 4, and 5. Verses 1, 4, and 5. You will discover that this is probably one of those new songs for you. But you'll also be able to discover and watch how much Ron enjoys playing this song. <laughs>
Let's take each other's hands and celebrate the, the power of the spirit that is present here with us through this worship and now goes with us as we leave through these doors into the world. A world that is hungering and thirsting for moments of righteousness and justice and love. We are to be the people who help to bring that about. So go in God's spirit. Go knowing the commandment that he gives you to love God and love neighbor and make it real. Amen. Amen. Amen.